Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Momentarily, we'll head off to our River Cree Resort and Casino hotline and hook up with the Cult of Hockey's David Staples. So River Cree Resort and Casino, excitement, bet on it. You can also text us, same number, 780-496-0063, the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Get the new floors you've always wanted, Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue. Open Monday to Saturday. Uh, Bouncing a bit around today. That's kind of what happens as we close out the month of August. And, uh, you know, the players back in town, Dylan Holloway, Xavier Borgo skating over at uh, Rogers Place today in the DCA. Leon settles back in town as well. We'll have some more names out over the next couple of days. But at this time, we're going to head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. And welcome back to the show from the Cult of Hockey, David Staples. Hello, David. How are you doing? Excellent, Bob. How are you today? Good. Now, I, I know we try to mitigate the political talk. Uh, you're, you know, a, a lead feature writer for the Edmonton Journal. You're, you, you, you had to cover the, the, the pandemic. Uh, was there something going on last night in town that had some interest around uh, the province of Alberta? Well, we're going to be getting a new premier next month, and uh, it's going to be uh, United Conservative voters who decide that. So there was a leadership debate. Seven candidates uh, were at the Citadel Theatre, and they had a two-hour debate um, spelling out their ideas. Uh, were you there? No, nope, watched okay. it online. Okay. Uh, was there any? I didn't see it. Was there any? Was, was there any? Was a former on-air personality for chorus in, uh, <laughs> uh, in the mix? Would you say that uh, Danielle Smith's top three for that, or what? She is a. She. You might be surprised this coming from someone who's in radio, but she's brilliant at getting people's attention, Bob. She is an absolute master at uh, communication. And whatever you think of, and this is outside of her policies. I'm not saying anything about her policies and what she stands for. But just in terms of grabbing people's attention, um, uh, setting their hair on fire if they don't like her, but firing them up if they do, she, she is uh, she's outstanding at that. So um, if the NDP is looking for a new person to hate now that they got rid of Jason Kenney, then Daniel Smith could fill that void. Uh, Travis Taves, the other, the other I, I think who's the other main candidate in the um, in the vote, did very well for the first time in the in the debate. He really stepped up as kind of a no nonsense, steady as she goes candidate. So it's going to be an interesting race, I think, between those two. Now, who do you think would score more goals playing on the left wing with McDavid, uh, Daniel Smith or Taves? Well, Daniel Smith would refuse to play left wing. Okay, and. Uh, <laughs> 
Travis Taves, though, he'd find a way to fit in and go hard to the net and cram in a few past the goalie. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, uh, we. you know what? It's interesting. We've had lots of different concepts over the last, you know, I, I came back into town kind of uh, second week of August and been hosting most of the shows and it's funny, like, I've got broadcasters around the league, and they're like, you should take two months off, like all the other, you know, in NHL, right? I'm like, well, that's not exactly how it works here. And so, and plus, it's a, it's fun. It's a privilege to host the show, and you can have a good time. One thing we haven't discussed a lot, uh, David, is, and I'm going to ask you this. The orders went to the third round of the playoffs. They easily could have gotten with a bounce or two in 2017 to the third round of the playoffs. I'd say at that point, they weren't ready to beat a veteran-laden team like Anaheim. I mean, they lost three one-goal games, and Milan Lucic, who was Pete Torelli's big signing in 2016, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Jordan Eberle, and Benoit Pouliot combined to make $22 million and did not score one even-strength goal in a seven-game series between those four players. Uh, The Oilers lost three one-goal games to Anaheim, including two in overtime. So... You know that's kind of how you how you lose a bit. So this year, even though everybody thought they were done, if you had been in the building after period one of game two in Calgary, there were a lot of people that already thought the Flames were going to we're going to take the winners out in four. And well, there was a team that would win four consecutive games in that series, but it would be the Edmonton Oilers. All that said, uh, Colorado clearly was on another level in Edmonton. I think we know that. The Oilers' injury situation didn't help, but the Avs were just simply better. So now I'm going to pose the question. Any concerns for you about the Oilers dropping off the way they did in 17-18 coming out of the 17 playoffs after the playoff run last year? Definitely, I can't. It's and it's weird because I'm as bullish on the team as anybody, and I think they have a, a chance to win the Stanley Cup for the next few years. A, a good chance. I think they're one of the top four teams in the NHL. So I have that in my head, and I think Ken Holland had an excellent summer. You know, he did all the right things in retaining the. You know, you know, if if we had said Evander Kane and Zach Hyman are on this team two years ago, playing on the wings with McDavid and Drysaddle, people would have been overjoyed. And yet, it's here. Here we have this situation. It's it's tremendous. So, so much has gone right. But I still, now and then, this just pops in my head. Like, the last time I was feeling this good about the Edmonton Oilers and this optimistic was the summer of 2017. And it just went all to crap for two years. And I'm just so, I've been thinking, can that happen again? Is there a chance that this team could flop like the 2017-18 Oilers did? And um, I think there is a chance, Bob, but when I thought it through, I think it's about a 1-in-20 chance. You know, know, that may be overly optimistic. Maybe it's 1-in-10, but I don't think it's greater than that. So there is a, a chance, but I think there's a number of things that are different. So... The main things that went wrong, there's a number of things went wrong in 2017-18 with the Edmonton Oilers. I I think probably top of the list is Cam Talbot's game um, went south. And he had been really heavily used in the season before 2016-17. I think he played 71 regular season games, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, 13 more in the playoffs. So he, they had really, really used him. And there had been con- concerns. People had been voicing him all year that he was overused. And the next year he played, I think, 67 games. And his save percentage crashed. He was letting in goals early in the game. And he never really recovered from that. And if you, if you don't get good goaltending, um, that's big trouble, as we all know. So this year the Oilers are going to uh, be going with Jack Campbell, who, like, Cam Talbot is a veteran goalie in his prime, but he was not so heavily used by Toronto. 
um, this past year. He did have an he did have a major, uh, I think he had a broken rib and played with it, if I'm not mistaken. So there's there's you just never know with the goaltending. Although Jack Campbell seems like a good bet. The other thing that went wrong uh, was Sakura and Clefbaum getting hurt in the playoffs against Anaheim. And I think that sunk them. As much as terrible refereeing and those two guys getting hurt just did in the Oilers in those playoffs against the Ducks. And Secker had never recovered, never really recovered. He was never the same player. Oscar Clefbaum was never really the same. He, he was trying to be, Bob, I, I think a top, like what Darnell Nurse is now, like that good of a defenseman in the NHL. Just, just really, really top drawer. Number one D-man Oscar Clefbaum was trending towards that in 2017, and and he was just never the same player with his bad shoulder, and and um, that really hurt the orders. And then Adam Larson's father uh, passed away that 2017-18 season, and that set Adam Larson back. So they just weren't the same team defensively. And then the third thing that went wrong was Lucic and Maroon. I mean, Maroon, I think, had 27 goals, and Lucic had 21-22 goals, something like that, uh, during the Oilers' big year in 2016-17, and then they just both crashed the next season. So could the Oilers have that? Um, could they have that with, let's say, Kane and Hyman falling off really fast, two big power forwards? And, and these Kane and Hyman are older than Maroon and Lucic were. So... There's a possibility, but I think I, I just there's just something about um, Kane and Hyman just played so much better than Lucic and Maroon did in the playoffs, and they seem to be very well conditioned, serious athletes. So, so I don't think that's going to happen. You hit on a bunch of things. I'm going to ask the listeners right now. You can text us seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. The Ashley Fine Floors text line one fourteen in town. Do you do you have concerns that we could see uh, you know? Something similar to what happened in 1718. I will tell you this, David, that, uh, you know, I, Todd McClellan was a really good coach and he knew his players. And there were some people moving into roles that were being counted on that didn't gain any traction. Uh, you know, Paul Yarvey was one of the guys that, in theory, was supposed to be, you know, hey, boom, all right, start a 1718. Didn't come to fruition for him. Yep. Uh, and that was a guy. Um, I, I would say there was a perception, even internally, that they uh, that Pete Chiarelli had uh, a perception by some that there had been a downgrade in skill. Uh, I, I remember Frank Saravelli thinking the Oilers could win the cup. Um, yep. I, I do think it's different. Um, and, and part of the reason why I think it's different is the team is being supported by their own internal prospects and players. Okay? Like Bouchard and McLeod are going to help make Edmonton better. At some point, Holloway will... And, and I do think that Kane is a far more established goal scorer than either Lucic or Maroon. And Hyman's a more consistent player and more consistent drive. I mean, you can make an argument, David, that Nugent Hopkins was the third best player on the team for since the 16-17 season, right? Like, or 15-16, since McDavid first came to the team. So McDavid, because yeah. Dreisaitl came back in 15-16, he was pretty good. So McDavid, Dreisaitl, and then Nugent Hopkins. Well, now that the Oilers have got Kane and Hyman, is it set in stone that Ryan Nugent Hopkins is the third best player on the team, or third best forward on the team? No, he is not. He's, he's you know, the fifth best forward. Or, you know, Yamamoto's a pretty good player, too. Maybe even uh, Yamamoto might even be ahead of him. You know, the the young player thing, Bob, is interesting because based on the 2017 playoffs, three young players really stepped up and played well. Uh, uh, Benning, Matt Benning, 
played really well in those playoffs, and so did Kajula and Slepeshev to a lesser yes. extent. They played on a line with Dreisaitl. Yep. So there was all this hope that those guys, that all three of those guys uh-huh. were going to step up and be contributing members to the Oilers. And it just, and then they, you know, of course they traded Jordan Everly and they got Ryan Strom. And, and so and none of those players, Strom, Kajula, Slepeshev, or Benning, panned out for the Oilers in a way that you would have hoped. So when we look at the players, the prospect players that you're bringing up, like, you know, McLeod, um, uh, Yamamoto, Bouchard, Pugliarvi, the young veterans, I, I, I have more confidence in them. But I, I did have some confidence back then, too, and in that in the, this was going to work out then. So, But I just, these guys have a really, they have a higher pedigree. They're, I think they're a more talented group by far. Uh, when you look at their hockey skills. So I think it's more likely that this, this current group is going to step up and, and help the Edmonton Oilers you, than, that, than you, that group did. You can text us at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Do you have any concerns that the Oilers will fall back into what happened in seventeen eighteen? I'm going to read you a brutal stat, David. Okay. <laughs> so McDavid led the NHL in scoring with 108 points. Now, scoring was lower in that season, in that seventeen eighteen season. Yep. Drysaddle had 70 points. Nugent Hopkins had 48 the next highest scoring player on the team, next to McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins, was Strom with 34 points. I'm going to 100% guarantee you that taking McDavid, Dreisaitl, or Nugent Hopkins out of the mix, there's no way the Oilers' next highest scoring player will be a 34 point score. Yeah. Right, and like, you see, they traded Eberle, right, who had 50 points the previous year. Yeah. And, and Strom just couldn't get it. Like, did he not get the chance under McClellan? Like, you know, there's, he didn't get a lot of time with either McDavid or Dreisaitl. Right. So you could make that argument that that was somewhat on the coach. But he just he never got it together like he did in following years in New York where he's become a pretty good hockey player. And um, so, yeah, losing Eberle was a big blow. And um, probably a big mistake in retrospect. Well, and it's funny. I had a, a couple people reach out to me almost, you, you know, there were whispers. There, were, there was discussions on the trade, as you know, David, because we talked about it on the air. The, the two teams, the Islanders and the Oilers, had basically had this conversation strong forever before the trade deadline that year. Yeah, and then Kelly Buckberger went to the New York Islanders, and there was a belief with some. Well, now that Bucky's there, if Doug wait, there's no way the Islanders are gonna. I'm like, that's not gonna matter. Like they're yeah. they're gonna do this deal because they're gonna get the better offensive player. Now they put themselves in a situation. Lou Lamarello takes over the organization, loves his older veteran players, and Everly becomes the expendable piece. And oh, by the way, what a drop off with the Islanders last year after Everly was picked up in expansion by the Seattle Kraken. So. Okay, so I, like I'll be honest with you. Assuming McDavid or Leon doesn't get hurt or Campbell doesn't get hurt, I can't see the Oilers not being a top eight team in the league. I'm serious. Like, yeah, I, and I, Nurse. Like if Nurse comes back 100%, because that's the one that scares me, Bob. Like if he gets hurt, um, that changes quite a bit on your defense. Like Kulak would have to be the number one left shot demon, and, and Philip Broberg would have to be number two or three like it just nurses in some ways the guy they can least afford you know there's Campbell of course the goalie but even there they have Stuart Skinner so yeah is Darnell Nurse going to be 100% and it sounds like he is that was the latest news that we got um, that you got and um, so that's huge news because I actually uh, I think Darnell Nurse is going to come close to living up to his contract in the next few years it's a big dollar amount but he's he's an outstanding hockey player and uh, you know he can be that number one guy for the orders um so but he's got to be healthy all right i'm going to put you on the spot your gm uh ken holland 
You got room for one player in a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar deal. Forward or defense? Where do you target and who? Oh, this is. <laughs> You know, you need the list. What the Oilers do every year, Bob, is they have a big bulletin board where they have all these pro scouts giving them input, right? You know, people who have been scouring the league, watching all of these players, making a list, who's available, who's not. So, you know, I don't have that at my disposal. David, there's lots of people looking for work. I'm going to tell you, right, it's not just the Oilers having a bulletin board list. It's agents calling the Oilers saying, hey, my guy wants to go there. You're going to have a good team. Um, I I'm think not as keen on Sam Gagne as others, Bob. I will say that because his name's come up a lot. Yeah. And, and if you're looking for someone who can play center, I've never seen Sam Gagne. I, th- I think he's a good winger, but he's, I don't see him as a, as a strong guy to be your fourth line center. So I'm a little worried about I think he's a fantastic guy. He's a fantastic teammate. But, you know, I, I, I just think maybe with the nurse situation being precarious, like it, because there's not as much depth behind him, maybe you do want to go with uh, a defenseman. Although, on the other hand, they've been developing Nima Linen and Sam Rukov for years. It's really time. You know, these guys and are Day overripe. Arne. And Harney. So it's, you know, it, it, if you're going to be fair to people, give them all a chance, um, you got to give these guys a chance. And I think that Sam, between them, there's probably one of those guys who's ready to step up on defense and be a good player. So, um, you know, I, w- I would go with a forward and I would hope he's a, that he can play center. So, you know, there's a uh, Rodriguez is not going to be signing for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Unfortunately, I, I think he's believe. overplayed his hand a little bit. Uh, but do you th- what do you think he'll get though? Like he's not going to get the minimum. He's going to get a million somewhere. Yeah, well, it could be an Edmonton. That'd be great. So that'd be a, a heck of a player to bring in. Obviously, um, I think he can play some center if I'm not mistaken. Mostly so, right wing. Yeah. So I don't think there is there even a center. Is there even a guy who fits? Well, that? somebody said Riley Nash, and I'm like, eh, I mean, he struggled to play regularly last season. <sighs> in the yeah, no, that's that's the tip. Like, like in the past, that's what the Oilers would have done. They always brought in centers when they were 30, 32, 33, when they're kind of past it. They did that too often, and it doesn't work out. What you want to do is bring in a guy who's twenty six, twenty seven, who's just you know ready to be that fourth line grinding center, and and isn't all banged up and injured. So. Um, I don't know if that player exists, though, who who would fit that bill for the Oilers. All right. Awesome stuff, David. Uh, How do people follow you for hockey? At the Call to Hockey on Twitter or at D Staples on Twitter, Bob. And if they want a little bit of political commentary. (laughs) At David Staples, Yeg. There you go. Thanks for your time, David. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. It is 123 in Edmonton. We'll take a timeout. We've got a bunch of texts to get to. You're listening to Oilers now. Into the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Uh, and here we go. This texter says, Bob, I think uh, David Staples is right to say there's a chance that there could be a significant drop-off for the Oilers. Where did the text go? Uh, man, oh, man. they all We just got hammered at once with like five in a row. Unbelievable. Uh, let's let's go to Ryan from Stony. He says, Bob, uh, why not sign a guy like Harper as a seventh defenseman when we have Dayarnay waiting for his chance? I would prefer Edmonton to trade Paul Yarvey or Fogel so we can add cheap forward like Milano or Rodriguez at a better value. It's tough to make trades right now. Uh, and this texter, Eric, 
says, my concerns are all about defense and goaltending. Can Darnell Nurse and CeCe be a legit number one pair? CeCe has never played an entire season as a top pair defenseman. Can Kulak play top four minutes? He's never done that in his career either. Can Barry actually be the right veteran to help a raw rookie enter the NHL? And finally, Campbell doesn't have a long track record as a number one. Having said all of that, guaranteed still a top 10 team in the league. The forwards are just too good to be stopped. That one comes to us from Cody Eakin. Again, you can text us 780-496-0063. It will be intriguing to watch, to say the least. We will head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. John Shannon coming up, our NHL insider, when we return in Oilers now.